March 11th, 2011, Jana Murray and Brittany Norwood were working the closing shift at the Lululemon store in Bethesda, Maryland. For those of you who don't know, Bethesda is actually a pretty upscale part of town. It's a suburb just outside of Washington, D.C., and a lot of very affluent people frequent the Bethesda Row um, grouping of stores. So Lululemon was and still is a popular high-end store that sells athletic and leisure wear. Um, That year, they actually struggled to keep up with demand of their yoga pants. And these are not like $15 yoga pants. (laughs) They're somewhere between like $100 and $150. It's a pretty luxurious line. So that night, the two women were just closing down the store. Um, They had just locked the front door and Jaina had gotten into her car. She was about 10 minutes away from the store when she got a call on her phone from Brittany. Brittany told her that she had left her wallet inside the store and she needed her to come back to unlock the front door. So Jaina, being a nice coworker, turns the car around. At that point, both of the girls go silent. No one would hear from Brittany until 8 a.m. the next morning, and no one would hear from Jaina ever again. When employees came to open up the store on Bethesda Row, what they found was a literal nightmare. They immediately knew something was wrong. The store was a complete mess, and by Lululemon regulations, and both girls were really good employees, they knew that something really horrible must have happened for them to leave the store that way. When they came into the store, they could hear moaning coming from the back of the store and bloody footprints were all over the floor and led into the back room. Brittany was tied up on the floor with zip ties and she seemingly had been there all night. They could see that she'd been beaten and the front seam of her pants and underwear had been ripped open. Jaina's body was close by and completely unrecognizable. I actually Googled the crime scene photos and I know that my co-host did too, and I don't suggest doing it. Um, They're really, really horrifying. I honestly did not know that a human body contained that much blood. So when the police arrive, Brittany is in complete shock. She seemed deeply traumatized and actually flinched away from investigators when they first came to untie her. The store itself didn't have security cameras, so they didn't really have a lot to go off of. There was no definitive timeline of what had happened, but eventually Brittany was calm enough to tell them exactly what she'd been through. Brittany said that two men had broken into the store just after she and Jaina came back to pick up her wallet. They'd forced the girls into the back room where they savagely raped both of them and eventually turned their rage on Jaina alone. Brittany described being raped by a coat hanger by one of the men while the other one beat Jaina and dragged her across the floor by her hair. Brittany told them they were laughing the entire time. They thought it was funny. She said, I blame myself. I thought that if it weren't for my wallet, I could have done something. Later, investigators would find multiple weapons that had been used to murder Jaina. 
She had over 300 stab wounds caused individually by a hammer, a wrench, a knife, and a sharp peg that was used to hold merchandise into place on the paneled walls of the store. Brittany was treated for her wounds and a rape kit was administered. Jana's family was notified of her murder. Police began the manhunt for the two men who murdered Jana, but just six days later, on March 18th, 2011, Brittany Norwood, the woman who had been beaten and bound, who had endured the attack alongside with Jaina, was arrested for her murder. My name is Natalie Levy. And I'm Jacob Griffin. And this is Detective Society. So, in case you hear an, a new and unfamiliar voice, I'm co-hosting. That's me. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is the the weird man in the corner. Um, I'm co-hosting with my good friend Jacob Griffin, who is a DC local and kind of a fixture around Adams Morgan. Um, <laughs> if you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, great. Yeah. So, um, like Nat said, I'm Jacob, and I moved to DC a little over three years ago now. Ugh. So I guess I am like a local now. It's kind of weird to say that. But um, I moved here halfway through college and went to school at Marymount University. I got my degree in digital human engagement and marketing. And throughout my time in college and after I graduated, actually, I worked at Lululemon. Ah! Um, Yeah. So I worked at the one in Clarendon. And so this uh, story in this case is actually um, pretty near and dear to me. A lot of my very close friends have had direct connections to it, I'll say. Um, A lot of my good friends were working for the company at the time. And so uh, Natalie had talked with me about this case just because it is such a prolific, you know, awful situation that happened within the Lululemon company as well as just the DC area. And so I think that my brain around could offer some interesting perspectives and uh, cool insight. So thanks for having me. (laughs) Yes, of course. Um, And it'll definitely be like kind of like two sides of a coin talking about something. Um, I think that we have like really different perspectives on both the crime and uh, like Lululemon as a company. So I think that this is going to be a really, really interesting episode. Um, But before we get into it, I have some housekeeping. As always, please, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can search Detective Society in the search bar, and you can follow us on Twitter. That, honestly, recently, Twitter has been where I've been doing more interaction with listeners. I think maybe that's just where I find myself um, cruising normally. So if you have any questions or you just want to yell at me, that's probably where you should do it, (laughs) at The Detective Pod on Twitter. Uh, So far, the response has been, like, overwhelmingly positive and amazing. I can't believe that people are listening to this. And by all means, if you enjoy it, tell your friends about it. Um, 
You can also like us on Facebook. You just have to search Detective Society on Facebook. If you don't care about Twitter or Facebook or any of that wonderful social media stuff, you can always email us at DetectiveSocietyPod at gmail.com. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram, um, but I don't have one specifically for the show because there's not a lot to show off outside of my life. Um, so that's just the letters N-R-L-S-E-E. So N-R-L-C. Jacob, would you like to plug any of your social media stuff? Um, I don't know. I'm Jacob Griffin on Facebook. You can see all the... <laughs> The, the cocktails that I drink and the workouts that I do. I don't have a lot. And the travels that I do. Um, not a ton outside of that. But um, if you if you want to say hello, I'm more than willing to give you a chat. Um, or if you just want to give me a pat on the back. Because as fun as I am in front of a microphone, I get a little weird. <laughs> Actually, yeah. This is like the weirdest I've ever seen you. I, I feel like... Jacob's never nervous, and all of a sudden, he's very, very nervous. I'm like a little loco right now. It's kind of... But yeah, so Instagram, Facebook, most of that stuff is like just for fun. It's not like for this obviously very professional podcasting that I'm doing. So don't like us or follow us if you don't like fun. I'm very serious, obviously. (laughs) So we're here drinking wine, talking about murder. As I said earlier... Jacob worked for Lululemon, and I think you had, like, a really positive experience with them. Yeah. Lululemon, for me, and I'll probably go into, like, seven different roads of this, was and is right now one of the most transformative and influential experiences in my life for, you know, like, a plethora of reasons, right? But the biggest thing for me was the humans that I got to um, be introduced to from Lululemon and the things that stemmed from Lululemon now. Um, I even see Natalie here across from me as stem from Lululemon because if I didn't, you know, work for Lululemon, I wouldn't have worked for my other job, and that other job I wouldn't be here right now, who Natalie is one of my coworkers as well at, you know, our 9 to 5. And so I really root a lot of positivity that is in my life right now, which there's so much of it, and I'm really happy. Back to that, you know, experience in getting a job in college with these people who were um, willing to push my limits and ask me to do things that I, as a young, cute little guy in college, was not used to you know, having someone be like, no, I think you can do better. And that was really something that vibrated through me and caused me to get a lot of cool stuff in my life. So all of this like really positive, almost like pushing stuff that Jacob's talking about, I, on the other hand, would have not responded to (laughs) in college. And so I think we're going to argue a lot through this episode, but we're still friends. A scotch. (laughs) Just a scotch. We're not bad at each other. (laughs) We're still going to be friends. So let's talk about the company that these girls worked for. Um, Jacob, that's why I asked you to join me today, because to be honest, I was, when I first read about this murder, I was super ready to just like shit all over Lululemon. So if you Google Lululemon culture, the immediate results are are kind of not pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it might've been just before, just after this murder happened, there had been kind of like a, a slew of like blog posts and articles written about like by ex-employees where they were just basically saying like 
this is a very weird culture. It wasn't for me. But a lot of people got a lot of good out of it. So I want to start by talking about the highly problematic Chip Wilson, who founded <laughs> Lululemon. Chippy. Daddy Chip. So the first thing that like kind of jumped out at me is that he's weirdly obsessed with Ayn Rand. Yes. What and is in, that about? In, in, in some ways, yes and no. So Anne Rand, um, for those of you that aren't super familiar, wrote um, a slew of kind of crazy books, one of them being Atlas Shrugged. Um, Atlas Shrugged is kind of the super ultra conservative um, it's mantra. It's like their rival. Yeah. So what, what the root of Atlas Shrugged from kind of a, a, a naked eye or just like the high level is that it is a book that really kind of is a proponent of self-success. So you are not tied to anyone else for your success and you are also not tied to anyone else for your detriment. So Anne Rand is someone Again, this is just speaking in layman's terms. Like, she didn't believe in poor people. She believed that someone who was poor, it was their fault, and this and that and this and that. And again, I think um, in a little bit more... Like, like diving in a little bit deeper to Lululemon and that rhetoric as far as why they were fans, quote-unquote, of Atlas Shrugged, um, it's allowing, instead of judging others and me saying your poorness is your fault, right? You're actually not in a position to say that at all. Except that Chip Wilson did say that. Your poor is your fault? Yeah, he said, like, if you're poor by the age of 30, it's your own fault. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Chip, okay, I'm just going to say this right here before I keep going down the Anne Rand road. Chip is the crazy drunk uncle at Christmas <laughs> that says things sometimes and you're like oh he's like the uncle that supports Trump right oh, like no. he's just like a little loco but like there's things about him that you're like wow like you have you got something going on like you're you're crazy you're crazy you're loco crazy but being able to like separate some things is definitely but you're still needed. my family and I still love you yeah and there's still parts about you that I find value in so um and Rand again she she's loco crazy too but what the Lululemon culture kind of latched onto was instead of from my perspective, the A and Ran aspect, which was judging others, it's actually rooting back to yourself and being able to kind of self-reflect and say, hey, so like if I'm 30 and poor, what were what actions did I have control over that could have contributed to this? There's there's not a doubt in my mind and in 99% of the humans that I worked with that say, hey, a lot of people are dealt with like really fucking shitty cards. And guess what? That's not their fault. And that is real. That is a reality of the world we live in. And there are also people who have 
like, you know, all... What's a really bad card in cards? Like a two? Like a two of hearts. I don't know. I don't they like have cards. all the two of hearts. I don't know. Some <laughs> bad card, right? And they still show up to it in a way that brings them kings and queens and aces, right? So really taking her messaging um, out of context and finding ways to... Um, empower yourself with possibility that says I'm going to be the one to like make that change and again it's no one's fault if they can't bring themselves to that position because there's a lot of people in like really yucky situations so again what I received out of it was not your fault you're poor you're bad but like hey like I'm actually a kid in college whose parents don't pay for college and this and that, but I'm working for a company and for people who say, so what? What what do you want to make of it? And that was so invigorating and exciting and like, wow, like what can I do? And this is a shameless plug, but like not six months later, I was coaching the first lady of the United States at her workouts. So, I mean, it's like, I mean, for me, it was like a really real power that they offered me. And a scotch of it or a part of it was rooted in the local lady named Anne Rand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I feel like for a lot of people, when they think about Lululemon or when they even think about like high-end yoga pants and they think about Ayn Rand, they feel like the two things don't go together. And it seems very counterintuitive that either one would have anything to do with each other. So this guy, Chip Wilson, is like super, super interesting. But... I feel like I'm just going to keep lobbing these things at you and then Do you're going to have to like just get them. I love it. Or explain it. Or so like offer So he starts this clothing line for women, but he also like pretty publicly criticizes women's choices and their bodies all while claiming that he's trying to empower them. So he once wrote... The 1980s gave way to power women dressing like men in boardroom attire with big shoulder pads. They went to three martini lunches and smoked because that's what their quote-unquote successful fathers did in the business world. Breast cancer came into Providence in the 1990s. I suggest this was due to the number of cigarette-smoking power women who were on the pill and taking on the stress previously left to men in the working world. And as a woman who works extremely hard, has two master's degrees, and is definitely by no means thin, like, none of that meshes well with me. I think I just find it really tough to, like, stomach. Don't get me wrong, I've worn Lululemon clothes, and, like, my mom is a yogi. We are not anti-Lululemon. I just think that if you are a person who is in power and influencing the culture of an entire company that maybe connecting breast cancer to birth control isn't the smartest or coolest thing. Totally, yeah, um, I'm in complete concurrence with that and that I don't agree with very much um, of what he says or a lot of the things that he says as well. You know, when you look at things like the Lululemon Manifesto, um, when it's like, don't wear sunscreen, get the right amount of sun. It's like, yo, okay, like, (laughs) sir, excuse me, sir, there's been a lot, a lot of, like, scientific studies saying, like, okay, sunscreen's not, like, amazing for you. It's not like eating kale, but it's also not, like, 
as bad as like frying your ass in the sun every day, right? <laughs> so like put on sunscreen type of deal. So there's a lot of weird stuff online. If you just Google Chip Wilson, you'll find like weird stuff that he said about women and Japanese people and like just weird tangents that he goes on sometimes. But all of this was in me building to landmark. So <laughs> I knew she was going to bring this up. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it a million times. <laughs> so Landmark is cited as, and it's kind of, it's an organization that kind of built the core tenets of Lululemon's culture. Um, and they're cited a lot of the time as, oh, sorry. I just hit my microphone. I do this every fucking week. <laughs> like, I just always slap my mic like it's Well, cool. it's like a, it's like a trademark now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta slap the mic like you're slapping the Franzia back. The, the listeners are waiting for it. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, by some people, um, claimed to be a cult. I know a bunch of people actually in my life who have gone through the Landmark Forum and who found their practices really, really useful and who, like, really love all of the tools that they provide them with. Um, I personally think that it's, in theory, Landmark sounds good, but that in practice, it's like a kind of culty, watered-down Scientology that just makes people feel like they're entitled to be assholes. Now that I've said that, I'm going to let Jacob defend it because this is how we roll on Detective Society and we explore all facets of the situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to deny, you know, maybe I'm taking it out of context of what you said, that um, landmark form is abrasive to be, like, really polite. Um, they make no qualms about their delivery of their messaging. They, um, they really are are harsh in a lot of ways for people and some of the things that they do teach. Can you walk us through like the landmark tenants? Cause I feel like a lot of people haven't heard of landmark. Absolutely. Yeah. So landmark form as a, as like a really high level is a self discovery inquiry and communication series. So, um, there's three levels, like main levels to it. You can kind of expand beyond it. I've been through three levels. Um, I didn't, you know, stick around after and work for free, which I want you to do. Hashtag kind of a cult in that way. Not denying <laughs> it. Not not denying that part. Okay. No, I will not mop your floor for free. Thank you. Like, <laughs> I paid my money to come to your little seminar. Thanks. Um, anyways, so... Um, level one is about kind of clearing your past, right? So um, it's so multifaceted. It's like 12-hour days. It's like pretty intensive. But I'll just talk with you guys about some of the big things I got out of. One of the big things was like a racket that they talk about that you run. And so they talk about humans being machines or like meaning making machines and how we make stories out of everything. So when something happens in our life, we have to attach a meaning to it. And it's usually attached to something that's in our past that we haven't been able to like let go of. Um, and so like my thing, which not to get like super deep, 
was I'm independent. You know, I moved to a new city that's incredibly expensive. Let me tell you, DC is kind of bougie. DC right? is like no it's joke. It's local. Like homegirls shopping for a house. Like it's hard here. It's hard in DC, right? I came from Minneapolis and it was like $2 to live there, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Minneapolis, by the way, if you're in Minneapolis listening. Honestly, if you. I could get like the Minneapolis prices. <laughs> but make the same baby, baby. Yes, it'd be so great. So, so I lived in this story of like, I'm independent and I don't need anyone and I don't need help. And so what what I kind of inquired my in myself through Landmark was like, oh, my sisters were a lot more dependent than I was. Therefore, I felt left out of some things. X, Y, Z cut to me, you know, 10 years later. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm not supported by anyone. Ugh, I don't need help. And so now I'm too busy living a story that I'm independent, that I'm actually missing out on the opportunity to be thankful and grateful for all the humans that are lifting me up and helping oh, me. that's so interesting. And being so present to me and my success. So, um, and you know, they made me call my parents and I had to call, <gasps> yeah, yeah. I had to call my parents and talk about like how um, I was living that story and like living out in DC and being so like, I didn't need you anyways. And like actually forgetting about the, you know, 20 years, 22 years that they were loving me and supporting me and elevating me. So that was something that was so profound. And now I notice it in many different ways. Like we all have stories that we tell ourselves. Like I, you know, my, my air conditioning broke. Oh shit. Well, that's because I didn't get it you know, checked monthly, you know, you're supposed to get checked every six months. Well, that's because, you know, I'm just so busy at work because I'm trying to catch up because I'm a bad worker. I'm a bad worker because I, you know, I do this or I do that because I'm a bad human. And then all of a sudden, because you have a broken air conditioning, your brain has spun itself into, I'm a bad fucking person. And it's just not true. And so removing the stories from everything that happens and that that one's kind of a benign example and saying, hey, my air condition broke because the fucking cooling coil is faulty <laughs> and being like, whoa, that's really like an interesting way to look at it instead of saying this because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. It's just, it is what it is. And so... Again, I think there's a lot of situations in life where that becomes a lot more difficult and complicated and convoluted. And Landmark also, from the get-go, makes no qualms about saying, this this is what it is for you. What you get out of it, you might get everything. You might get nothing. Hey, that's what was meant to happen. Um, so that's we actually, like, so we know a couple who went through it who one person got a lot out of it, one person got nothing out of it. It it really like varies in terms of what you can get out of it. I think I can totally and completely understand how 
getting all of that off of your shoulders can feel so good. Like I do this to myself every day. Every experience that I have, every negative aspect of my life, I think of as like another brick on top of the wall that is the garbage fire that is my <laughs> life, right? Like <laughs> That's a pretty garbage fire. It's great. Like I'm here, you're here, we got no below. It's not like a dumb garbage fire, it's a fun one. It's really by no means terrible. I'm not trying to say to anyone that I have a terrible life. I have a pretty awesome life, all things considered. But I totally understand how like taking the onus off of you and making it about like, no, the universe is just random. Shit happens. Yes. Like, don't worry about it. I totally understand how that can be super freeing. Yes. And so that's like step one. And then step two is recognizing and owning where your focus is. So instead of worrying about the things that the universe just like has control over, I'm going to take into consideration what I do have control over, which is... Again, this is a very Lululemon term, but like how I show up, right? So avoiding things like she made me feel X. He made me feel Y. They made me do this. They actually didn't, right? And so that's kind of what Landmark teaches you is that like you show up to things how you choose to. So in saying like, Instead of saying, you made me do this, being able to say, when you do this, I feel this way. And owning your own feelings. And you're not saying, I'm not angry. You're not pretending to be happy. But what you're saying is, I show up to you this way when you do this. And what that does is that brings a power back to you. Instead of putting the power in their hands, you're making me, You're saying, I have the power still, but I still fucking feel this way. Sorry about it. So this is all going to kind of like wrap back into just the entire culture of Lululemon and why like why we're telling these stories is because so lululemon refers to their salespeople as educators Mm -hmm. they're not in sales it's all about like this idea that you respond to situations the way that you respond to them because of your own life in your own perspective in your own reality no one is making you do anything or feel anything you choose how you show up to things and i think that that has a lot to do with the way that like the the way that this murder kind of plays out um but i do want to just read this one piece by an ex lululemon employee to respond to jacob um that kind of describes the entire culture as cult-like uh so she wrote the worst thing about lululemon is that they insist that they care about you despite how much evidence there is to the contrary most other retail companies don't try to pretend that they give a fuck but lululemon tells you every single day educators they don't call their salespeople edu- uh salespeople again they call them educators educators are the most important people in our company and people believe it especially if they've never worked anywhere else and while snacks free yoga classes and a clothing discount is great 
Those aren't the benefits that matter. That doesn't help people buy groceries or plan for retirement. So I don't want to make this an entire, like, Jacob defending Lululemon episode. <laughs> um, but I do, I do also want to point out, just in defense of the company, there's no criteria saying you have to be fit or you have to be thin to work there. Really, the only criteria is that you are willing to work there and that you work out a lot. Also, Jacob is a trainer on the side. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah, just a scotch. That's why I have like that raspy voice because I'm always yelling at people. <laughs> um, so everything that we just talked about, like for the past 40 minutes, all of that wraps into the Lululemon culture that in 2011, Jaina and Brittany were a part of. And so Lululemon employees, if you can't tell, I'm talking to Jacob right now. They kind of like live, sweat, breathe lululemon like it's 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 a way of life it's not just a job they're not just like working at hot topic they're, <laughs> they're fucking like living their lives because of this company and because of the opportunities afforded them throughout it and because of the lifestyle that kind of comes with it but at the same time like as much as we know about this company there's a lot that we don't know about this case so in the intro, we walked through Brittany's original account of the story. And honestly, even now, it's been five years later, not all of the gaps have been filled in. Like there's a lot that we still kind of don't know. Did Brittany premeditate the murder? Did she coax, did she coax Jaina back on purpose? Did she forget her wallet on purpose? Like. None of that is clear. Um, All that we really know is what I'm about to lay out for everyone. Ready? Ready. Okay. So what investigators believe is that Jaina suspected Brittany of stealing from the store before that night. And so, like, if you Google this murder, like, if you Google Lululemon murder, what you'll see a lot of the time is, like, Manager murdered over yoga pants, but it's it's really not that simple. Um, so she already kind of suspected that Brittany was stealing. She talked to like a friend of hers who worked for Lululemon, and they both agreed, we'll wait to confront her. We'll wait till like it's a safe space, which to me sounds really really smart. And I think especially for Lululemon and Jacob, you might be able to kind of inform this. It's it's almost worse to steal from the company than it would be at other lo- other retail stores. Yeah, um, I mean, not just from a monetary standpoint, I guess, but from a like ethically. Yeah, like you think about what that pair of pants that you're taking for you could mean to you and your team. Um, you know, it's it's all a team based compensation. Um, so again, it's not, it's never like pitting employees against each other. It's like you are working with one team. So when you take a pair of pants, you're taking from like your fellow employees that like you could be supporting as well. And like everyone wins at the end of the day. And so I think here's where it kind of gets fuzzy because like we know that Jaina suspected her of shoplifting. We know that she asked Jaina to come back, but then like somewhere in between that point and Jaina being murdered, we don't really know what happened. So what we think happened is that Brittany asked Jaina to come back to the store because she forgot her wallet inside and the door was locked. And at that point, 
Gina, for whatever reason, decided to confront her and say, like, look, I know that you're stealing. I know that you have these clothes in your bag. Like, just tell me what's going on. But I... And then, like, what, she snaps and murders this girl? Like, I find that story kind of hard to believe. Yeah. Right? Like... Yeah. You know, I mean, like Natalie said, there's so many gaps. And again, this is where I get a little dicey about saying stuff. One of my... Well, Detective Society is all speculation. Yeah, right. So, So, um, my, my... my best friend hired Brittany. Oh no! Um, I know. I mean, it's a, it's like a, it's a big thing for her still. And so, these unanswered questions are pretty, pr- pretty tough. And so, you know, I think that there's, there's natural human inclination to try and again, like I've said, r- write a story about what's happened and why and where and how. And so, there's really. Unless it comes from Britney's mouth, from her prison cell, all I know is that Britney killed her. This show is the opposite of Landmark because all I do is <laughs> think about like, why would this person? Why? Have why? Done why? This? Why? Right? I know, and it's so hard. And like again, I think there's actually some health, and I'm not like a complete freak, right? I'm not like, well, I'm just gonna be a robot and look at what's in front of me. So this is what I'm thinking. I did a little bit of research on Brittany before the murders. And actually, information is really, really difficult to find. And something that I'm finding in general as I host a murder podcast is that it's hard to find information on murderers before they murdered anyone, which I find really frustrating. I don't even know really about Brittany before the murder. So So she was like an athlete in high school. She went to college to play sports, and I think she dropped out when she was a sophomore, but she'd taken out all these student loans already, which means that she was working retail jobs for two years, and then two years later, her loans come into, um, what is it called? You gotta pay, bitch. Yeah, you gotta pay back your loans once you're supposed to have graduated. Two years? I got six months. Damn. Because she she dropped out when she was a sophomore. So I think it waits until you would have actually graduated to come into collection. It's a luxurious situation. Except she was <laughs> working, damn. like, retail. Fair. And she seemed like a little bit desperate for money and it seems like Gina may have approached her about what was going on and she may have freaked out again this is all me just assuming reasons as to why she might have just been like a fucking psycho and like wanted to murder someone and was like oh I'm gonna murder Gina well and I still think to be fair whether or not your student loan situation, when you choose to murder someone, you, you, you are incorrect. Yeah, right. like, was it an, was it a factor? Does it matter? It yeah. doesn't. She fucking murdered someone. She killed someone. And she didn't, like, just murder someone. Because, again, I kind of want to, like, revisit the details of the murder. When Jaina's body was found, she had three... 131 stabs or cut wounds on her body. Her spine had been snapped and her head was nearly decapitated. To me, that says, like, that screams this is personal and it also screams, like, 
I am insane. I am unhinged. Like, who, who the fuck does that to another human being? Who are you? Like, what is happening in your life that you think that that kind of behavior is okay? Yeah, I mean, so there's like, I mean, the behavior I don't think is in anyone's mind, I would hope, okay. Um, but there's just like a, a real root of like rage, yeah, I would there's say. So there's so much rage. There's something that, again, you know, and I root back to, because I, I, I don't have... Obviously, I haven't killed anyone. I pinky promise. You don't know that. I I do know. I'm not murdering anyone, but like I, I do not have the capacity to understand that. And so, you know, in, in my perspective or my frame of reference, when someone like really pisses me off, you know, and I'm sure some of y'all can relate. Like, you get hot in the face, or your teeth clench, or you like tighten your fist, or you get a little sweaty or your shoulders move up into your ears. And that's like your version of rage, right? Or like for that situation. But your version of rage isn't like, I'm going to stab this person 300 times. I I understand. And so there's there's a, a level of, I don't know what you can call it, sanity or whatever it is, like mental capacity or whatever it is to cause someone to react instead of clenching her teeth or tightening her fists or bringing her shoulders to her ears or, you know, feeling whatever else, um, to act in a different way um, and to, you know, obviously take action in a way that is totally detrimental to lots and lots of people. Do you want to hear some, like, real crazy shit? I mean, we've heard some already. <laughs> We're already down that road, girl. Let's keep going, I guess. So, like, for me, the, like, real crazy stuff is that this whole attack... Ugh, this is so horrible. Are you talking about the Apple Store? Hold on. I'm, I'm about to oh. get to it. This whole attack took place in 20 minutes. Yeah. She, she like, murdered this person in, honestly, like, the most vicious way that we've discussed yet in 20 minutes. And what Jacob was just talking about... So the lemon store was next door to an Apple store and they heard Jaina yelling for 10 minutes for half the time this was going on. They heard her, they, a witness testified on the, the stand saying that they heard the words, don't do this. And they didn't do anything. And because it was over so quickly, it was over what, in 20 minutes, they just assumed that it had been two girls having an argument and didn't didn't do anything. Like, didn't think that it was, like, a legit murder. They actually did something. Um, and what they did was turned up their in-store music. No. So you couldn't hear it. Um, yeah. And the, the witness from the Apple store, who was, I believe, a security guard, said... Um, they heard, please stop, please don't, God, please don't do this. No! Because um, our, I say our, like I still work there. <laughs> I don't. And um, the back room was adjacent to um, the, the the floor of the Apple store, the retail floor. And uh, there were several people who heard it. I believe it was the security guard, forgive me if I'm wrong, who testified and they said those are the words that they heard and the Apple employees were instructed to turn it up a scotch so that people couldn't hear it. 
this is why you always call the cops. Like, it doesn't matter what is happening. Like, just call the cops. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt anyone. Like, just call the cops. I'm glad that this is the root of what's come out of this as far as, you know, I know we've talked about, like, Lululemon and, like, people and things and, like, all these crazy things. But, like, what I want to say is that the, the, the police and the, Just the, call the law police. enforcement, they're there to protect you and they're there to protect others. And so there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, this doesn't make me feel right. This is not right. And I'm, I'm concerned. And there's been like this whole movement towards your intuition is there for a reason, especially in the last 10 years of saying like- Malcolm some, Gladwell, blink. Yes. If it does not feel good, it does not feel good for a reason. Go with your gut, call the cops, do something because these people, and like, I'm sure that they deal with it every day now. This girl would be alive if I had said something. Cause it was, it was literally a matter of, They heard the first 10 minutes of it. They turned up the music. And then for the next 10 minutes, this woman finished murdering another person. The cops can get there, but this is not that big. The cops can get there in three minutes. Oh, God. I I almost, I don't want to tell you, Jacob. Jaina was alive throughout 19 minutes of it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, as I said earlier, like, just call the cops. Just fucking call them. Yeah. So when the cops did arrive, and if you weren't a trained professional, from what I understand, the whole place looked like other people had come in and, like, man people had attacked these two women. Inside the store, police found a pair of size 14 shoes. Well, not shoes, but, like, bloody footprints on the floor that led to the back room where the girls had been found. But when the police examined them, they found smaller prints underneath the top prints. So basically what Brittany had done was she had walked around the store with blood all over her shoes, realized that her footprints were all over the floor, and then put on size 14 men's shoes that were in the store like how used for hemming yeah how dumb could you be they're in the store pasted them down onto Jana's blood and then tracked the footprints over them which is not just stupid but so insanely messed up like i don't i don't know how to crawl into her brain and think about what her logic process was because the shoes were in the store the shoes were in the store before she started and then they were still in the store after she finished come on so then they obviously they i mean She's giving, like, this horribly detailed account of what's going on. And so the police send Brittany in for a rape kit. And guess what? There's literally no evidence that she's had any kind of sexual trauma. So they're treating her like a legitimate victim. And when a vaginal exam is conducted, there's no vaginal, like, injuries. Um, a nurse who examined Brittany testified, quote, along with her account of what happened and the amount of force I would expect with a violent encounter, I would expect to see some vaginal tears. There was nothing as far as they could tell. And keep in mind that Brittany claimed that she'd been raped with a coat hanger, 
which if you're a woman sounds horrifying or a boy who takes things up the butt oh. <laughs> whether you're a woman or a man it sounds horrifying which, uh, yeah so Joe Beth Hager, who was a trauma nurse who treated Brittany at Suburban Hospital in Bethesda, said she also found it strange that the young woman had no scratches on her back. So all of the injuries that we talked about at the beginning, the bruises, the cuts, the lacerations were only on her front side. But Brittany described being dragged across the floor over broken glass. So Joe Beth expected to find some kind of trauma to her back or like the backside of her butt and her legs. They found none of that. She found it super odd. So then they start to do um, an autopsy and similar tests on Jaina's body. And guess what? No correlating wounds. So the cops get mad suspicious. They start looking outside of the store. So outside of Brittany's body, outside of Jaina's body, and outside of the store itself, what is going on? They take a look at Jaina's car and they take a look at Brittany's car. Inside Jaina's car, which was parked just a couple blocks from the yoga store, they found traces of Jaina's blood, but also of Brittany's DNA. How did Brittany's DNA get inside of Jaina's car? Brittany denied ever being inside the car, but a few days later, she changes her story. She says that mid-attack, the men, for whatever reason, these random men, decided that they wanted her to move Jaina's car. Which is fucking weird. Like, why? Like, why? why would they want you to do that? Those Bethesda cops are so good with ticketing. Like, I don't think she wanted to pay for that ticket. So that's, okay, so, like, you don't know now that you just said that, but that's exactly what was going on. She knew that they were going to come by to ticket any cars that were still, like, left there parking in the street. So she moved it, not thinking that they would test her car later, but... They knew that she was there. Like, she would have been better off not moving the car. Jesus. Like, fucking A. So, the cops get, like, very, very suspicious. They start sniffing around other stuff. They find this DNA in Jaina's car. And they start thinking to themselves, like, excuse me? Like, a a pair of intruders are going to stop in the middle of their attack of you like right like they're supposedly like raping and beating these two women they're going to stop tell you to move the other girl's car not go with you because they couldn't find any other dna in the car not go with you have you move the car and then expect you to come back like no homie without driving away without driving away i would fucking drive away so fast like i'm sorry no thank you so literally seven days this is so sad seven days after she's murdered her friend and co-worker the police have enough evidence to arrest Brittany norwood and the trial for this girl is like dramatic as fuck and it happens so quickly after the murder that it's kind of all playing out at the same time um 
Jaina's family is paraded around in front of the jury. She has a mother who survives her who is super vocal, runs the Jaina Murray Foundation. She has two brothers who are actually, and it was really surprising, not surprising, but like almost uh, like especially interesting that these two boys would come in front of the judge and the jury and they were really really eloquent in their writing as far as their victim act like victim impact statements um one of them kind of makes an analogy to like dante's inferno they write these really really beautiful pieces well they were like super educated like yeah you know exactly kids um because they're from bethesda but Brittany's family actually and it it should be noted that Brittany's family was black Jaina's family was white Brittany had older brothers herself they refused to like play the race card and all of this from the get-go they realized that the police had kind of zeroed in on Brittany and her brothers were super cooperative with the police they got her to basically admit what she had done her brother came in front of the jury and talked about how important it was for her not to be put to death but at the same time like speaking very eloquently about how this was not a racially motivated crime and what's crazy is on the other side of the coin Brittany herself could not have made herself look more guilty she for instance would not make eye contact with anyone throughout the trial uh, the jury actually got to hear her recorded statement to the police just after the murder itself. And then at the same time, the prosecution was basically eviscerating every single thing that she told them. She went on to ask the judge like a very for a very tearful um, plea of mercy for her family. And the judge... God bless his heart, said, quote, there will be Christmases, there will be phone calls, there will be visits for you. The only visits Jaina Murray will have are those to her grave. And so he basically said at the end of the day, you get life in prison without parole, but I will not sentence you to death. And she's still alive to this day. Yep. Which is like, I don't know. I never know what to think about death sentences. Like, I I, I don't ever wish anyone dead, but I also, I feel like there is kind of a, a sense of closure for the victims of the family. Yeah. Like, it just, I don't know. I just think um, in viewing from the outside as someone who's not going to die the death sentence is maybe a sense of closure, but I think in looking or inquiring about what that root of closure is, is it they're suffering or is it that they're gone too? Like they're not in existence too? But I don't know, because I feel like for a lot of people, it's almost it's almost comforting that they're gone too, right? Like, Absolutely. Because you, cause you're not free anymore. You're not out there in the world kind of wreaking havoc on these other people. Yeah, that's fair. What I, I mean, I mean, in the case of like, you know, Brittany, where she's in life without parole, 
like she's in a jail and she will die in jail. Like there's no questioning that. There's no like pardoning, you know. You guys, Jacob's having like a real existential. I am. I'm like really thinking right about it. I'm like, hey, like what what would your last meal be? You don't even want to know. No, 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 no. I wanna know. I wanna know. I mean, legit, like last meal. I would want a chocolate malt, oh, not a fucking so milkshake, good. a malt, like with malt powder. Thank you. A medium rare burger, like oh bloody my God. burger. All this sounds so, it's making me with so With a hungry. toasted bun, like all the good stuff. Um, I know this is terrible to like discuss. So, yeah. He's a personal trainer, people. Yeah, that would be my last meal. Like, just, like, really good food. For me, it would be sushi, 20 pieces of sushi, um, French fries. Oh, yeah. And, and but, like, but like some kind of cake, like coconut cake or something at the end. I know that this is horrible. I'm very sorry, everyone. Yeah. Like, this is Detective Society. Either you like it or you don't. I mean, this will probably be edited out. It will not. <laughs> no. We're going to talk about this? Goddamn. Wait, but, like, is it a lot of tax dollars to, yes. like, to keep someone? More tax dollars than to kill someone? Yes. Are you kidding me? To I keep them was, alive I, over 40 years? I thought it was, like, a zillion tax dollars to kill no. them. No. For real? Girl, please. Okay, but Girl, for we real. gonna have to do some Googling. But for real. Plus, I mean, like, straight up, I just paid off my 2015 taxes. Good <laughs> fuck yourself. I did. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so many dollars. Like, Okay, it, for real, for real, real question. Um, jailhouse, fucking desert island. Guilty pleasure. What's the what's like the one to two things you must have? A boy. Oh fuck you! <laughs> Cause for me it was for sure like a down comforter. Bro, <laughs> y'all don't need a blanket when a man's keeping you warm. Uh, no, for real. Like you I nasty. Mean, I, I'm nasty, <laughs> nasty. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, like my guilty, guilty pleasure would be like just someone to like snuggle and hold. And yeah, but you could have that in jail. Like, what can you not get in jail? No, but like a cute one. Like not, not like a gross jail. Not one. like a murderer. Like, like Channing Tatum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll get specific. Actually, Patrick Wilson. Who is Patrick Wilson? You keep saying Patrick Wilson to me, and I oh don't God. know what it is. He, I'm gonna Google. She him gonna right Google now. him. He is my Patrick. If you ever listen, no, he's like my the love of my stardom life. If I had to pick one, he'd be my Jim. <gasps> This yes, time. yeah, he'd be my get out of jail free card. Like when I get married, hopefully I do. Is he like on NCIS or something? No. What is he on? He played the perv on Hard Candy. That's not. Oh my god! I remember that movie. Oh my god! He did play a dirty pedophile. On yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. Why is but that what you're attracted a, to? Aside from that role. He was in, um... What else, Jacob? 
nothing else, you guys. That's the only thing he's he attracted was, to. He was in. He was, he was in little children. Oh well, that's reassuring. <laughs> Shut up. It's a movie with another adult lady. She's an adult lady. I hate this. I hate it. Okay, um, y'all. Well, this is the end of this episode. <laughs> Go back next week. My name is Natalie Levy. I'm Jacob Griffin. <laughs> and this has been Detective Society.